We really believe that the Bible are the words of life that God gives us to, uh, to, to, to understand who he is and to understand who we are. And so we do spend time during our Sunday services always uh, uh, trying to understand and try and apply what that might mean today. The Bible was obviously written a long time ago, but we look to try and understand what it means to us today. In 2023, what do those things, how do they apply uh, to us today? And we've been going through a series, uh, just to explain what we're going to do now, uh, uh, what we're going to do, we're going to make sure our service finishes by 12, and then uh, we're going to have time of refreshments, but we're going to make sure those doors are closed by 12.30 so that we can head down to the beach for uh, the baptism. Uh, We've been doing this series called Ordinary People, Extraordinary God, and we've been looking at different people in the Bible. Uh, Some of them will be familiar to us, some of them will be uh, less familiar, We've, we've, we've described those as unsung heroes. Um, uh, but we've, what we've been understanding is that God is always at work in the lives of ordinary people. And sometimes we look at the extraordinary things that God has done or the extraordinary things that God does. Uh, um, and we forget that the people that God was at work with and the people that God um, used to do those things uh, are ordinary people. But he is an extraordinary God. And we, if we want to know, we want to ask the question, why would God work through me? Why would God allow me to be involved in something remarkable? Well, the Bible says, why not? Because time after time after time, we see the people that God does remarkable things through are ordinary people with an extraordinary God. Uh, and uh, this morning's verse, uh, sorry, the verse that we've, we've been looking at throughout this series and is quite apt this morning. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1 and 27, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And uh, we have a little bit of fun trying to work out each week who it is that we're talking about. Uh, and this one's uh, going to be a little bit tricky for most of us from this. But what today's Bible characters share something in common with all of the following people. Now we're going to go back a few hundred years. Uh, does anyone ever read the book Pilgrim's Progress or, or a version of the Pilgrim's Progress? I once played Christian in a stage version of, a stage musical version of, uh, that, goes, that, that goes back a long time. Anyway, um, not far back as John Bunyan, who is the author of that book. So John Bunyan is, uh, is some, one of the people. Uh, William Carey was a famous preacher from the 1800s uh, and a probably slightly even more famous preacher from the 1900s, I think, Charles Spurgeon. C.H. Spurgeon, you might have heard, he's, there's a Bible college that was uh, founded or named after him. Okay, so those are all quite, you know, uh, down a certain niche. Um, this one may be a little curveball for us. Mahalia Jackson, famous gospel artist, uh, famous soul singer. Um, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we, most of us will be familiar with him. And the, the last person I'm going to bring up is a famous preacher called Billy Graham. Right, all of these people had something in common, and that makes them the same as the person that we're talking about today. Does anybody, I, this is a really, it's really tricky, I don't expect anybody to get this one. Anybody? Well, what if I tell you that all these people are famous Baptists? All right, it's cryptic. So who might we be talking about this morning? John the Baptist. Okay. Now, John the Baptist wasn't actually a Baptist. He was the Baptist, um, which basically meant, as we've explained already, John the person who puts people underwater. (laughs) John the person who submerges people. That was kind of what that title meant. 
We're going to start by reading in Matthew 3, and if you're able to, and you can see the words clearly enough, we're going to read these words together. Uh, If you don't want to read, that's absolutely fine. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Lord, we thank you for your word. Help us to understand and apply it today in Jesus' name. Amen. I've just remembered I forgot to give you this clue, which is a with a big thing of honey. I think if I'd have shown you the honey, some of you would have got there a little bit quicker. Um, but that's not wild honey, and I couldn't find any locusts this morning. So uh, that's, that's, I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. Now, we don't really know what John the Baptist looked like. This is um, the Superbook, uh, which you may be familiar with, the Superbook children's uh, sort of cartoon series. Um, uh, this is their attempt to tell us or show us what John the Baptist um, looks like. I've done my best this morning by allowing my beard to grow a bit longer than usual. It usually goes a little bit shorter. Um, I've spared you the wig, though, because I have got a wig that could make me look a little bit like this. Um, but I've spared that for you uh, to, in order to try and avoid embarrassing my children, but they'll be embarrassed by me anyway, so I may as well have just, you know. Um, but we don't really know what John the Baptist looked like, but we do know that John the Baptist was not your conventional megachurch pastor. You may not know what a megachurch pastor is, but the people who, who, who are often sort of featured as the, 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 the poster people of, uh, of, of modern Christianity, um, they're usually dressed in skinny jeans, uh, trendy trainers, and light blue shirts. Um, or, or they have, they have so they, I think the most popular look at the moment is the white t-shirt with the, the, just the open jacket. That seems to be the most popular. Right. John the Baptist, f- forgive me, that's, that may, I don't want to distract us with that, but John the Baptist was not, he didn't fit the image. That's what I'm trying to say. He didn't, he didn't fit the uh, all sewn up, nice and tidy, um, that guy's got it all sewn up kind of image that we often think about when we look at people who uh, may be inspirational to us. We are inclined as people um, to, to, to be aspiring or inspired by a certain way of looking, living and acting. And there are some things that are very good to aspire to. And some of those things, there's nothing wrong with wearing light blue shirts and, and nice new trainers. With memory foam, actually. I've never, I've never felt so comfortable preaching. It's exciting. Joel, stop it. Right. Whatever we look like, whatever we seem like on the outside, we know that God is looking for our hearts. He's looking at our hearts, and he's looking for hearts that are fixed on loving and serving him. Uh, And John here, John the Baptist, was Isaiah's prophesied kingdom messenger. Isaiah had written about this time and this day, and he'd called people's hearts to turn to God. I want to just encourage you, first of all, this morning to say, if you feel you can't make an impact for God's kingdom because your life is a bit rough around the edges. Anybody else's life a bit rough around the edges? I know my life is rough around the edges. Or because you don't feel like you look right. 
then you're wrong. <laughs> if you feel that the things that you haven't got sewn up disqualify you from being at the heart of what God might want to do on planet Earth, then you've misunderstood God's heart. He is ready and willing to use the one whose heart is fixed on him. Amen? And nobody expected the voice in the wilderness that Isaiah had written about. And the people knew this verse when it was being quoted. They, they, they were very familiar with Isaiah. Nobody expected the voice in the wilderness to look and act like John the Baptist. Even though there were some hints about him being a voice in the wilderness and some of, some of the things that would mark him, people did not expect him to look like this. And God often involves people in situations that look foolish to human eyes in order to accomplish his kingdom purposes. Those who appear sometimes to be the religious elite can actually be the opposite in God's economy. And we see that with how John the Baptist responds to some Pharisees and some Sadducees. If you don't know who they were, they were uh, like the religious elite people, the, the people that, that, that tended to hold the religious power in that time and age. And it says this, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, uh, those are not soft words. Those are very harsh words. And he's pointing out to these people that what they appear to be on the outside and the way that it looks to people around them does not line up and match up with the heart and the way that they are really treating people and treating uh, those in need. So he's saying, he calls them a brood of vipers because they are, their, their heart does not match up with the appearance. And he's talking about the fact that, that producing fruit in keeping with repentance will reveal what is uh, the real heart of who we are. Now last week we looked at how Jonah was unhappy about the idea of the Ninevites being led to repent. Uh, he got a bit grumpy when God gave them an opportunity to be forgiven. And here we see John the Baptist kind of doing the same. Like, you brood of vipers, who told you that you could come and be forgiven? Who told you that you could come and repent? Who told you that you could be, uh, come and be baptized? But what he's doing is he's pointing us towards producing godly fruit in our lives. A theologian, uh, N.T. Wright, talks about repentance because repentance has got lots of different layers of what it looks like. Uh, and some, sometimes we, we only see repentance as a kind of groveling, sense of um, sorrow. But actually, there are lots of different aspects to what repentance is. And repentance is just, about, just as much about coming awake and being enlivened and having a realization as it is about groveling and being sad. Now, what's true is that when we realize our failures and how we've let God down, that we need to come with a um, solemn sense of sorrow for our sin and for what we've done wrong. Um, but there's also an aliving and an awakening. And we know in the story of the prodigal son uh, that he came to his senses. 
and he came back to the Father. And N.T. Wright says that repentance uh, means a serious turning away from patterns of life which deface and distort our genuine humanness. What he's saying is that God has created us in a certain way, to live a certain way, to know his blessing and to walk in his life. And the things that we do often, the, th- the, the, the choices that we make, are in the opposite direction. Often we do things that are destructive to ourselves. We do things that are destructive to our families. We do things that are destructive to our friends, to our relationships. And we are doing things in those situations the wrong way. And so uh, godly repentance means turning around and realizing that we want to do things his way. And, and when we do that, uh, we, we, we become more like the people that God has created us to be. We walk more into the genuine humanness, the human thriving uh, and the human blessing that God wants us to walk in. And as we do so, God will call us and empower us to live a life that is shaped according to his design. John described the baptism that he was giving as baptism with water. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And in this passage, I see a sort of transition from just repenting and turning around uh, in order to say goodbye to the past and actually what you're walking into, which is an embracing of the Holy Spirit and the power and the strength and the ability and the, and the, the goodness of God in order to enable and equip us to walk out and work out our salvation. Um, and here we see John the Baptist Uh, talking about the spirit and fire baptism, and he is talking about his own cousin. Now, they would have known each other right from the very beginning. John uh, was a miracle baby around the same time as Jesus was conceived uh, by Mary uh, and by the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth and Zechariah, who were um, John's parents, were healed of barrenness, and he was conceived. Uh, And Jesus and John would have grown up together but somehow, uh, either because they talked about the story as a family and they would have known what was, how uh, Jesus' birth had come about, John knew who Jesus was. And he wanted not just to know that for himself, but the time had come, the time was right when he was baptizing people in the River Jordan. The time was right for the world to see and for it to be revealed who Jesus was. And so when John, and, and, and here we skip to the Gospel of John rather than the Gospel of Matthew. This is not the Gospel of John the Baptist. This is another John who was one of Jesus' disciples and apostles. Um, and in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1, 29, it says this. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he goes on to say, this is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. I don't want to get into the technicalities about this word know. When it says I did not know him, there's two, I've, I've, I understand there's two understandings of what the word that is translated as know means. And it 
It can be a um, a uh, possessive knowing, i.e. I know in my mind, or it can be a declarative knowing. So it's almost like announcing, uh, and, and I think that that's what this is talking about in this context. But in the Gospel of John, what we see John the Apostle trying to do throughout his Gospel is introduce us uh, and show us and invite us into understanding the divinity of Jesus. That Jesus was God in human flesh. That's one of the primary purposes of his gospel. And so when John is, he quotes John the Baptist as saying he was before me, where well, he's saying, uh, because of course we know that in the biblical narrative, uh, John the Baptist and Jesus were conceived around the same time, but John would have been, but what, was, what John is saying is that Jesus existed before even any of that took place. Jesus existed. Jesus is the eternal one. And here, John the Baptist, he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he draws our attention for all the other things that Jesus is, has done and is uh, going to accomplish in his earthly ministry. Here, John draws us down to the real nub of the issue. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, they didn't know how that was going to unfold. They didn't know that Jesus was going to die upon a cross and carry our sin and die in our place despite having lived a perfect life. But John knew that this was the Lamb of God. And John the Baptist points us to Jesus. And when we look at this story, we see an ordinary, slightly rough around the edges, unconventional man who has pointed us to Jesus. Again, at risk of embarrassing my children, um, Prepare Ye the Way of the Lord was a song that stuck in my mind for years because I saw one of my best mates singing uh, a, a sort of stage version of that song. Uh, I'm not going to sing it because uh, um, you don't need that this morning. Um, but in my mind, throughout this week, I've been singing this song in my mind. I'm trying to hold it back. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Oh, you know it. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's enough. Um, that, and that, that song's just been going around. Now, whatever you think about the... I don't actually I haven't seen the show that it comes from, but I just remember seeing one of my best mates who was a, he was a good actor, and he... He, um, he, he sang this, this version of this. And I remember just having goosebumps and, and really feeling like he was inviting me into a, an understanding and pointing me to Jesus. And we have the opportunity to invite people and point them towards Jesus. You have the opportunity to prepare the way of the Lord in Aberystwyth in 2023. And many of the things from this story don't apply. But this does apply. We can point people to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ. And to point people to Jesus and to point them to the forgiveness and the life and the grace and the mercy they can find in him is our greatest privilege and our greatest purpose. We too can prepare the way of the Lord in people's lives. And we can be signposts of the gospel of the kingdom. But let's remember some other things about John the Baptist. John the Baptist did have some questions. A bit later in the story, in Matthew 11, it says this, When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? 
Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you see and what you hear. And John was reassured and uh, shortly before he died was reassured that, that Jesus was indeed the coming Messiah. So despite having previously identified Jesus as Lord uh, and preparing the way for him, John the Baptist had his doubts. He had been put in prison for speaking the word of God, basically. He'd fallen out with Herod, the, uh, the, the, the king of the region, because he had basically said, your, your family are making ungodly choices. Uh, and so he'd been thrown in prison and, uh, and found himself in a horrendous situation which led to his death. And we should not, as I said earlier, always expect loving and being obedient to God and following him to always mean that we find ourselves in comfortable scenarios. Sometimes following Jesus and doing things his way actually leads to great challenges and great difficulties. And that was the case for John the Baptist. And ultimately, John the Baptist gave his life because he had stood up for the word of God. In, uh, again, skipping forward a few pages to Matthew 14. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his, uh, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. A bit further down, it says the king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted uh, because she had requested that he be beheaded and had John beheaded in the prison. John was so passionate about God's truth that he stood up to the Jewish rulers and ultimately this cost him his head. The question for us this morning is, are we ready to give whatever it takes to stand up for the truth of God's word? And it is becoming more and more challenging in the world that we're living in and the society that we're in to stand up and say, well, this is what I believe is the truth according to what God has revealed to us by his word and by his spirit and through his son. It's becoming more and more challenging for us to do that. And it's it's a solemn self-reflection for me to think about, am I willing to, to give whatever it takes in order to stand for the truth? But for all of that and for the doubts and the challenges and the difficulties and the rough around the edges and the difficulties that John the Baptist dealt with, the amazing thing for him was that he had had the remarkable privilege of baptizing the Lord Jesus himself. What a privilege, what a moment for John the Baptist to be the person who baptized the Lord, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, says this back in Matthew 3. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness, by which he meant to fulfill what had been written in the scriptures. And then, because of that, John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, resting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Here we see the Trinity interacting. Father, Son, Holy Spirit in a beautiful moment and an insight of the relationship that they share between the three of them. And John the Baptist, this Locust and honey-eating, camel-skin-wearing, slightly strange wilderness 
guy is in the middle of that situation, baptizing the Lord Jesus Christ. If God can use John the Baptist to do something as honorable and as magnificent as that, God can use you and me to be at work in his plans, his purposes, and in people's lives today. John the Baptist knew who the story is truly about from beginning to end. The story was about the one who made himself the least of all. It was Jesus, who was the king of heaven, stepped down, became a human being, miraculously conceived by Mary and by the Holy Spirit, became a human being, taking on the weakness and the frailty of a baby, growing up, walking a perfect, sinless life, performing miracles, healing people, bringing love and compassion time and time again. And then he was crucified upon a cross to take away our sin, taking out the punishment that you and me deserve so that we can receive by faith the truth of his, of his love and his forgiveness, make him the Lord of our lives and walk with him into a secure eternity where we know that we know that we're going to be with him forever. John the Baptist, who had lots of people, lots of crowds coming to him to be baptized, he just points the finger towards Jesus. And in John 3, he says this, He must become greater, I must become less. And that has to be the heart of our lives that Jesus becomes greater. Now, I believe that, that God is absolutely loving and affirming of who he calls us to be. And so as we say that he must become more, I must become less, it's not about our value. Actually, as we point to him more, our value, we can't, we can't be more valuable because he laid down his life for you and for me upon a cross. But we want to live lives that glorify him and point to him the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world and like john the baptist you and me this morning are ordinary people who can lead people to the knowledge of an extraordinary god who takes away the sin of the world so do not rule yourself out because you don't feel like you look right or because you think that your life is rough around the edges. Join the club. Join the club. Don't rule yourself out because of that. Don't be surprised or intimidated by times of questioning. You will go through seasons where you have questions. God, are you really there? Dan's story earlier. God, what are you doing in this situation? And usually afterwards you can go look back and say, okay, God, I understand. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes the questions remain. But don't be surprised or intimidated by seasons or times of questions in your mind. And don't think that you're outside of God's purposes because you find yourself in a difficult situation today. For John the Baptist, for uh, Paul and Silas, for Peter, for many others, following the call of God meant they found themselves in prison. For people today... We've heard testimonies of people in other parts of the world where it's illegal to be a Christian. And following Jesus has meant that they've been imprisoned. That doesn't mean they're not following God's will and being obedient because everything isn't going smoothly and rosily 
Don't doubt because you're, just because you're in a difficult situation today. Now, sometimes we do bring, up, bring difficult situations upon ourselves by our disobedience to God. But just because you're going through something difficult, don't believe that you cannot find yourself in the center of God's purpose and his plan for you. What can we learn from John the Baptist? Well, we can learn to humble ourselves so that Christ can be glorified in us. He must increase. We can learn to lay down or to be willing to lay down our earthly life for the kingdom of God, knowing that actually this is a small part of eternity that we're living in. And we can point people to salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen? We're going to pray together. If you don't mind closing your eyes, just so that people have uh, just the privacy of a moment for God to communicate with them and for them to communicate with him. First of all, I want to give you the opportunity, if you want to receive the forgiveness of sin and to give your life to Christ for the first time today, we, we do like to give people the opportunity to do that so that we can just help you begin that journey of walking with him and understanding what that means. I've explained what he's done for you. And he just simply asks for our faith and our trust in him. I'm just going to pray a prayer and I'm going to ask everybody to Repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I want to give my life for you. Just say these words if you mean them. If you don't, that's really fine. You don't have to say them. Lord, I want to give my life for you. Thank you for forgiving my sin through your death upon a cross. I trust in your blood to wash away my sin. I want you to be the king of my life. So fill me with your spirit and enable me and equip me to walk with you and for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed. If there's anybody who has prayed that prayer and meant it and really wants to give their life to following Jesus, today, then please talk to me or whoever's brought you to church this morning so that, that, that we can be aware and so that we can uh, give you some uh, literature and we can help you and pray with you and help you begin that journey of walking with Jesus. Secondly, if you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire that John talked about, if that's you this morning, then let's pray this prayer together. Holy Spirit, would you fill me today Cover me with your presence, with your fire. And equip me and enable me to live for you. Amen. Amen. You might sense that he's filling you now or has filled you now. You might sense through the day or you might come back and pray again later on. But Lord, we want to be people who are filled with your Holy Spirit. So that we can help people to understand who you are. And thirdly, if you want to be more bold in pointing people to Jesus, the confidence to speak his truth, then let's just take the opportunity to pray for that strength and boldness this morning. Lord, would you give us your strength and your boldness and your power 
so that we can stand for your truth. We saw what it cost John the Baptist to stand for you. But Lord, we also know that you laid down your life for us. And so as we follow your example, Lord Jesus, we want to be willing to give everything for you. Help us and enable us to be who you call us to be. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.